everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats, what he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too, with my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Jeff, I have to give Kirk Cousins credit uh, for mental toughness, for physical toughness, and for pulling out big plays even on an off day. He didn't play great against the Jets. That throw to Justin Jefferson, fourth read, reading all the way from left sideline to right sideline, and that that's one of the most difficult throws in football. I think a lot of people think that Arm strength means throwing the ball 60 yards high downfield. And yes, that does require arm strength. But the the throws that really require the most arm strength in the NFL are the long outs, where if you get it there, it might be a big play. If you don't get it there, it might be a pick six. So we're going to talk about a lot of things today, but I wanted to start with that throw and the way Cousins played with toughness against the, against the Jets. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely correct. And it seems to be one of the big changes in, in his game. Not that he hasn't been a tough player in the past, but just his willingness to stand in the pocket and not check down. And it, it was interesting because, conversely, you looked at Mike White at the Jets last week, and the Jets were 3-16 of 16 on third down, and so many of those plays were Mike White check downs mm-hmm. that we used to see regularly from Cousins. We don't see it as often from Cousins anymore. <clears throat> and so I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a very difficult throw that that sideline end zone cross the field throw that he made to Jefferson right on the money. The other throw that impressed me with his arm strength was when he threw the, the deep ball to Jalen Rager as he's getting hit and had enough on it to, to get it to Rager, even though it was a little bit underthrown, <clears throat> but enough that he could still get it downfield to Rager on that 38-yard gain, which was a big play, too. So, yeah, Cousins is, is certainly, while his stats may not be quite as impressive in terms of passer rating, to me, is it's the wins that count. It's the leadership that he's shown, the admiration that his teammates have for him that we thought was there somewhat in the past, but not to the extent it is this year with Kirk O'Chains and all everything that's going on. Victories make a big difference, and, and he's winning games and winning them down the stretch. But, yeah, it was certainly early in the ball game when the Vikings built the 20-3 lead, and you're thinking, well, this is the week that they could finally cruise to an easy win, and then the, the Jets start chipping away. And, and when Cousins overthrew the wide-open T.J. Hawkinson in the early third quarter, and then he throws it slightly behind Jefferson, and Jefferson – drops it, which was not an easy catch, but J.J. usually makes those catches. And then, yeah, we knew again, here we go, down the wire, down the stretch, and it's going to be another one-score game. And found a way to do it with with some great red zone defense and big plays at the end. So 
another exciting game, part of a exciting regular season, and certainly things are not going to get easier, even though we thought that this kind of this four-game stretch that just was completed, starting with Buffalo, at Buffalo playing Dallas, then the Patriots and the Jets here. And, and I said going to that stretch, and I think I told you that, if they can split those four games yep. at that point and, and get to nine and three, they'll still be in great shape playoff-wise. Well, they won three out of those four, and now they're 10 and two and in even better shape than we thought they'd ever be in. And now go to Detroit, and <clears throat> all of a sudden this Detroit game shapes up as, as a perhaps the toughest remaining game on their schedule. I would have said at Green Bay, at Lambeau on New Year's Day, but I think by then we're going to be seeing Jordan Love. Not that Jordan Love is any slouch, as he showed it in Philadelphia two weeks ago, and the Packers will get fired up for that game. It'll be a cold-weather game, but the Lions are on a roll. They've won four out of five, just hammered Jacksonville last week, had their first eight possessions were all scoring possessions. <laughs> they and, the only time they didn't score was when they had a kneel down at the end. Jared Goff playing what he says is the best football of his career. And they are really playing well. So it's going to be a big challenge in Detroit. No doubt about it. We're going to talk about some other quarterbacks. Rodgers, Love, Garoppolo, Purdy. Talk about things around the league. We'll talk about the Lions and that Jets win. This is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. He's Jeff Diamond, former Vikings general manager. Brian Burdett is our producer. This is TalkNorth.com. Best way to listen to this show or any other shows you like across the network, including the Viking Update show. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Thanks to our sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com, and Platinum Bank. So we won't dwell on this because it's become a weekly topic of conversation, but it is stunning. They've won. They're 9-0 and in one-score games. Nine of the last 10 games have been one-score games. And, you know, we continue to have the debate. Is it predictive? Is it a skill that you can build up? Is it happenstance? Is it luck? And is it does it wear you out to play this many close games? I mean, what what do you think? I think it's, it's a combination of everything you said. <laughs> In a lot of ways, they, they've had some good fortune, such as Josh Allen fumbling on the goal line in Buffalo. They but they've taken advantage of the opportunities and, and made so many winning plays down the stretch. And and even going back to week three against the Lions in that particular game, coming off the Eagles game, and the Vikings are down 14 nothing in that game. They're down 24-14 in the fourth quarter, and they have to rally. They win the game on a 28-yard touchdown pass with 45 seconds to go from Cousins to K.J. Osborne. That, was, to me, was, first of all, one of the first indications that Kevin O'Connell was going to be different, perhaps from Zimmer, in the respect of uh, being more a more aggressive coach offensively, whereas you, you would have thought maybe Zim would have said, hey, let's make sure we get the field goal and tie it up, and if we have to go to overtime, at least we're at home. But O'Connell went for the, the win, and they, they delivered, and Cousins and Osborne delivered in, in a game that you really thought the Vikings were going to lose early on. And all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, they're going to be one and two coming off the Philly and Detroit losses. And 
how is this thing going to spiral? It's just incredible how things change. So I think there is some good fortune. There is also the factor that it just builds confidence in a team. And I think that's the predominant thought that I have is, and that can carry them into the playoffs that there's a belief that they can get it done if they're behind, if they're, if they need a late rally, they've come from behind six times this year. Their quarterback has led them on game-winning drives more than he ever has in his career. Those are all positives. But, yeah, it, I think it does wear, wear a team down a little bit mentally. But then again, th- these guys are young. They can, they can rebound. And I think there's really a lot of truth to the, to the, to the adage, every week's a new week in the NFL. And now it's, it's Detroit week. So I don't, I don't really think there's a carryover from week to week necessarily. I think, the, as I said, the prevailing thought I have is that this is going to help them come playoff time when they're going to have some close games against whoever they face, whether it's uh, Seattle maybe in the first round or a Washington, a San Francisco perhaps in the second round. And if they end up going to Philly, look out because <laughs> the Eagles are playing really well and just hammered Tennessee last week <laughs> to the extent that they fired their GM. <laughs> yes. Crazy league. <laughs> it is. All right, let's get to this week's matchup and a possible future matchup. Let's talk about the Lions and the 49ers. First of all, the Lions, why are they better now? I think it starts with Jared Goff. I think he's playing – he says he's playing the best football of his career. I think he is. <clears throat> Even better than in the Super Bowl season in L.A., he, he's he's the 11th ranked passer and passer rating, but they they just have have built up some talent around him. Their offensive line is is really one of the best in the league. Very underrated, anchored by Frank Ragnow out out of Chanhassen, Minnesota, who is a, a Pro Bowl center. Their defense that was really bad early in the year, and they're still ranked dead last in the league, but they've gotten a little bit better. But I think it's really that offense, and and I'm on uh, Ross St. Brown is a, a he is just <clears throat> such a dynamic receiver. Got some really good backs and Swift and and Jamal Williams has 14 touchdowns this year. So there's a lot of good stuff going on in Detroit offensively and and defensively. I think they they play for their coach Dan Campbell. He's he's a fiery guy, and I think they they play with a feistiness. And just are really playing well. So I, I think it's going to be a fun game come Sunday. And the, and the Vikings, first of all, they need to get some of these guys who are sick back on the field. There's a, they had, I think, five guys miss practice yesterday with, with an illness, mm-hmm. and, including some key guys like Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith, Daniil Hunter, C.J. Ham. So there's something <clears throat> going through the team <clears throat> that they need to kind of – get through that situation but the lions i see have have several guys too on their injury list i think they're kind of the subplot for this game too jim a couple of things tj hawkinson returns to detroit for the first time to face his former team cam dantzler we think is going to be back in the lineup at corner and he returns to the scene of his horrible game last year in detroit where he gave up the winning touchdown to st brown where he who can forget the image of him retreating into the end zone 
10, 12 yards deep as St. Brown does a, runs a curl underneath him and catches the winning touchdown when the Lions had not won a game yet. So Cam, they hope, will be back. They need him back. Uh, Caleb Evans with that concussion protocol, and now they put him on IR because it was his third time this year. We'll see if they get, if they get Christian Derrissaw back. They've been able to weather the storm with Blake Brandle, but they've had to give him a lot of help. Derrissaw, I thought, was having a Pro Bowl caliber season. And I would not be surprised if they hold him out for just one more week because they, they want him come playoff time. They want him to be healthy, and they don't want him to get another concussion, have another situation. But he could p- potentially be back. We'll see. So those are some of the subplots this week. Jameson Williams, also another subplot, the Lions' first-round pick who was handed to them by by uh, the Vikings GM Quasi Adolfo Menzo with that trade, that draft day trade, the number 12 spot, really has not panned out for either team thus far because Lewis Seen got hurt, as we know, uh, the Vikings' first-round pick, and Williams just got activated last week. But he is a deep threat and will be playing this week, most likely. So he's a guy that the Vikings have to be wary of with, with some of these deep routes that he can run and uh, certainly um, a great player in his own right. So I, I'm excited about this game. I think it's going to be a fun game. And honestly, I'm not real optimistic about the purple coming out of there with a win, but we'll talk about that when we, we'll get to our picks. <laughs> yeah, we'll do our picks later. I also want to talk about uh, you know the rest of the division, the rest of the conference. For this moment, though, let's uh, thank White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore Buick GMC. My longtime friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guttrell, and their fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and with their super friendly premium team. Check out their great website. We always talk about it, whitebearlakesuperstore.com, and you'll see 3.99% APR on 2022 Buick SUV models and 3.9% APR on GMC Sierra 1500s with a $2,500 purchase allowance and the 3.9% APR on GMC Sierra on the GMC Terrains with a $750 purchase allowance plus no monthly payments for 90 days. Explore the Sierra HD. The Wiper Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Vans Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. And thanks also to Platinum Bank. Platinum Bank, our great sponsor, is your bank a partner or simply a provider In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder have personally experienced tremendous customer service working with Executive Vice President Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com 
Platinum Bank providing a means to a dream. So in this charmed season where they have gotten to play a lot of teams at just the right time and they've played really well in fourth quarters and pulled out all these games and they're having a far better season than I think anybody could have expected. Everybody was getting a little nervous that all my Viking fan friends were getting a little nervous that, hey, oh man, the 49ers are looking really good. Uh, that's going to be a tough team. That adds, that's another team we might have to get by in the postseason. And then Jimmy Garoppolo goes down with a, a foot injury. How do you think that changes the 49ers? I, I think it changes them dramatically when you're having a, a rookie quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft. Now, he played pretty well last week in a, a tough game against Miami, a big win for the 49ers to move to eight and four. But now teams are going to be able to game plan for him. They're going to throw blitzes at him. We know Kyle Shanahan is a, is a smart coach and he'll have a lot of quick stuff to Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. The 49ers are still loaded in their supporting cast. They got the best defense in the NFL, but it's just not the same when you take Garoppolo, who was playing really well, and you take him out of the lineup, then you heard the the potential news that, that he could be back, that there, there was not ligament damage in, in that foot, and that he may be able to return, which Kyle Shanahan then kind of poo-pooed yesterday and said he didn't really know that he'd expect him back. And I'm sure he's just trying to to, to just kind of soften that whole story right now. So we'll see about that. And even Shanahan said if he comes back, it may not be until conference championship or Super Bowl time, which would be good news for the Vikings because the way the the seeds are shaking out right now, I'm figuring the Vikings, if they can hang on to number two, which with their schedule down the stretch, you would think they have a really good opportunity to do so. If they can hang on to number two, they're, they're two games ahead of the 49ers. They're going to have to stay ahead of them. But I think they've got a good chance to to finish whatever fourteen and three or thirteen and four, hang on to that number two seed. I don't think they're going to catch Philly because they would need to get ahead of Philly, and Philly has the head-to-head win. But if they hold on to number two, which is really important, then they match up with number seven seed first round, potentially Seattle, Washington, the Giants, and meanwhile the Forty ers would probably be their second round opponent. And it would be here in Minnesota, which would be certainly a better situation. And if they can face Brock Purdy instead of Garoppolo, I think that's a positive for the Vikings. That would be a a difficult matchup in any way, shape, or form because of that defense and the other skilled players the 49ers have. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves. There's still five weeks to go, and the Vikings still need to win some games down the stretch. One of which, of course, is this week in Detroit, which is going to be, as I said earlier, I think perhaps their toughest game remaining. Well, let's look at the rest of the division, too, because obviously it's been a weak division this year because the Packers being down and obviously the Bears and Lions are still rebuilding. I, I think it's a really interesting division, though, in that uh, the Bears have their quarterback and now they have a lot of draft capital and cap, rooms, cap room to build around him. The Lions look like they're on the rise and the Packers are having a horrific season but Jordan Love comes in and plays well, and Christian Watson suddenly is playing well. Uh, that, you know, it doesn't look like that team would need a lot to be decent next year, but we don't, you know, let's start here. You're the person who's dealt with front office analytics and salary cap issues and everything else. 
what is Rodgers' contract situation? Could they get rid of him now or the following year? Yeah, interesting. You you asked that question, Jim, because I I've started writing for this think tank website with a bunch of former coaches and team executives called the thir- the 33rd team. And, and I did write this week about the Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love situation and the Packers predicament with these two quarterbacks salary cap wise and on, and on the field wise and how really, I, I think the dynamics changed this year on Jordan Love, which was part of the reason that the Packers did go ahead and sign Rodgers to that three-year, $150 million extension this past March because they didn't really know what they had in love. He had not been very impressive in his first two seasons. Well, then what happens? LaFleur says he's he's made a lot of progress in practice this year. And then he goes out against Philadelphia. The number two defense, number one pass defense, came in uh, at the end of the game, and the game was still in the balance and he goes six for nine for 113 yards and a touchdown. The Eagles won that game by seven, but Love, I, I wrote, may have won over Titletown in this game because Rodgers, first of all, such a narcissist, and I think he's kind of made the fan base and certainly the organization tired of him with his criticism of management, coaching strategy, criticized the young receivers. I can't believe he carries the the love of his teammates that Cousins does in the locker room. You never hear Cousins talk negatively about other players. And and I never heard Steve McNair in Tennessee ever say a negative word about a, a teammate when he was our franchise quarterback with the Titans in our Super Bowl era. But Rodgers has no problem doing that and did it earlier this year. But as we said, he's also battled injuries. His numbers are way down this year from top-rated passer, uh, 37 TDs, four interceptions last year to 22, 22 TDs, nine interceptions this year. But worst of all, they're five and eight and just barely hanging on the playoff fringe. So you talk about salary cap-wise, I don't see the Packers. I don't think that they can trade him next year. First of all, they're not going to be able to release him. He's got a $58 million guaranteed option bonus next year that the Packers can choose the date of that option bonus and they can they can certainly trade him and have the new team take on the option bonus but in that event they would still have a 40 million dollar cap hit which I don't think they want to take next year I certainly wouldn't want to take that big a hit Uh, now the the good news is that Jordan Love is only at 3.9 million next year. I think the more logical situation for the Packers is they bring Rodgers back, they get him healthy, he plays one more year. As you said, Christian Watson's coming on. He's got eight touchdowns in his last four games. They they kind of retool a little bit, maybe do some new things on the offensive line, draft a new tackle because Bakhtiari is always hurt and he carries a huge cap, cap number. So I, I think they've also got some key free agents. I think the Packers, the logical thing for them is to trade him, trade Rodgers in early 2024 where they can get more draft picks. And because, first of all, to, to trade him next year, they may have to hold him until June 1st. And and what team wants to take on a player June 1st and, and take on that big option bonus and the big cap number? It, it, the logical thing to me, trade him in, in early 2024, get those extra picks. And then at that point, 
They've exercised the fifth-year option on Jordan Love. He's making $20 million, which is palatable. Rodgers would still have a dead dead money of about $24 million, but they could they could extend Love for a year or so, get his number down a little bit, and I think that's the most logical move for Green Bay. I think Rodgers has one more year in Green Bay, and that's it. I think he could still have trade value. He's not. They're not going to get the Russell Wilson deal <laughs> where, where it was two ones and two twos and a bunch of players. And and look how that blew up for for Denver and, and Seattle's happy as heck that they made that deal <laughs> with Geno Smith, Smith having a, the kind of year he's having. But I think trading Rodgers in 2024 makes sense. I think he'll play better next year. He'll be healthier. And I think he'll want to have a good year to set himself up to go to a team that he wants to go to a la Tom Brady, even though teams will be apprehensive about him because of his persona, because of his injuries, because of his age. But let's not forget Tom Brady did win a Super Bowl with the Bucks in his 40s. I, I still think Rodgers is a top 10 quarterback. I think that he plays one more year in Green Bay. That makes perfect sense to me. All right, let's get to our picks this week. Uh, reminder, we have Cheryl Reeve, Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, John Krasinski, John Millay, Mike Grimm, Dave Lee, outdoor content, variety content, all kinds of stuff at TalkNorth.com. Again, subscribe at your favorite podcast app to the shows you like. Check out TalkNorth.com for the wide variety of shows and for the archives of shows you might like. And we do appreciate you listening. If you get a chance, uh, please uh, work with our sponsors. We would appreciate it. They would appreciate it. Let's get to the Jets at the Bills. So what did you think of Mike White? I thought Mike White was pretty good, but again, he got into that check down mode and, and that hurt the Jets on third down, but he threw for whatever, 360 plus yards in the game. One of the concerns that obviously we all have about this Vikings defense, there were seven plays of 20 or more yards, the chunk plays that really hurt the Vikings in this game. And they've got to batten down the hatches on those type of plays down the stretch in the season and especially in the playoffs. But I thought Mike White was okay. He certainly has played better than Zach Wilson, but he did throw two costly, <clears throat> costly interceptions in the ball game, especially <clears throat> the final play that Cam Bynum made a, a nice read on. The Bills now are going to be without Von Miller for the rest of the season. <clears throat> How does that affect their pass rush? I think that could be the thing that tips the scales towards Kansas City or Cincinnati in the AFC, the fact that, that Buffalo is going to be without Von Miller, who was off to a great start this year and was headed for, <clears throat> for a double-digit sack season. <clears throat> but I do like the Bills in this game. I, I think that they'll handle the Jets. The Jets are a, a sneaky, surprising, very quality team. Quinn and Williams is a beast inside on defense and will be a big challenge. But I like Buffalo. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty easy pick. Uh, Eagles at Giants, two playoff teams, but to me, uh, one looks really daunting. The other looks a little shaky. I'm just not sure I believe in the Giants. Yeah, the Giants 7-4-1 are, are still hanging on to a playoff spot, but I'm with you. I, I think that they're heading in the wrong direction, which will, will be good news for the Vikings when they see them on Christmas Eve here. Christmas Eve day. 
I, I like the Eagles in this game. <clears throat> they they just are playing so well. That was a dominant performance against against a, a good Titans team that's leading the AFC South. Of course, AJ Brown. We know he was fired up for that game against his former team. But Jalen Hurts just playing so well. But I, I do think that the Eagles have to be careful with Hurts down the stretch, cut down on his running plays, just because they want him healthy for the postseason. Their defense is playing is playing great too. Even though they had a little bit of a, a slip side for a couple weeks where they were playing not quite as well, but it seems like they got it back together last week. I like the Eagles in this game. Bucks at 49ers. Tom Brady pulled off another miracle finish. Without two miracle finishes, they'd be buried right now. They're still hanging in there because they're in a bad division. 49ers with a backup quarterback at San Francisco. This is really a tough call, and I'm not believing in the Bucks at this point because of their issues on the offensive line going against San Francisco and, and Nick Bosa had three sacks last week. I think that, that Shanahan will tailor a game plan that's very conservative for, for Brock Purdy against a, a still quality Bucks defense. If this was in Tampa Bay, I would pick Tampa Bay, but in San Francisco and against a rookie quarterback, I'm going to go with the, the 49ers defense forcing enough turnovers to to win this game i i'll take san francisco they're hot and playing really well i'm with you now vikings at lions the lions are favored fascinating the lions are favored by two and a half points in a place that hasn't been all that difficult to play the vikings have a great history against the lions Lion, vikings are 10 and 2 and yet they are not favored that tells you just how close their games have been and how uncertain the nfl has been this year Yes. This is a tough call, I think. You've got, as we said, Hawkinson going back to Detroit, Cousins going back to his home state, Dantzler perhaps coming back in the lineup, which will help the the corner situation because the Jets did pick on Caleb Evans and and Duke Shelley last week, if Dantzler can indeed start. But I'm I'm kind of with the Lions this week. I, I just think that that offense has has been very prolific. The Vikings' defense has been a little bit porous lately. They're dealing with this illness going through the locker room. The Lions' number seven offense in the league. I think it's going to be a high scoring game because you you do have the the two lowest rated defenses in the league overall. So I'm going to take Detroit. In a close game, I'll say the Lions win by three, but I do think it's going to be a close game, high-scoring game, and I think it'll be an exciting game. I agree with you. I would pick like the Lions like 35-33 or so. I think it's going to be a crazy shootout. Uh, I, I think what tips it for me, I think if everything else were equal, I would pick the Vikings to find another way to win another close game. I'm re- we're talking here on Thursday morning. I was out at practice on Wednesday. Uh, five players out with illnesses, a few other players wearing masks. I just don't know if this team's going to be very healthy or have a lot of energy in this game. So if I had to bet my own money, I would probably bet on the Lions, but I don't bet my own money because I have no idea what's going to happen, Jeff. <laughs> right. And and, and here's a, an interesting stat. Jared Goff, seven touchdowns, one interception in his last five games. Mm-hmm. Hasn't, thrown, hasn't thrown a pick in the last four games. He is He's just playing really well and, and with a lot of confidence. And, and we know St. Brown is a difficult guy to cover. 
just a lot of talent on that Lions offense. So it's a it's a huge challenge for the Vikings, but hey, <laughs> they've done it before, so it certainly wouldn't surprise me if they can get it done again. No doubt about it. Thanks to Jeff. Thanks to Brianne. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Of course, we'll be back next week to talk about another probably close game. <laughs>